my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me the hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. Does the guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! It's time for school, but you're not going to be saved by this bell. Established in 2016, Stride Pro Wrestling trainers have put their years of experience to help train the next generation of professional wrestlers. Nearly a dozen students have graduated and are now making a name for themselves, not only here at Stride Pro Wrestling, but beyond. Our athletes aren't locked into any long-term contracts, so if you want to train, use your head and contact Stride Pro Wrestling today. It's training you'll flip for. So kick your future into high gear now. Hey friends, welcome to the Car Cast. This is episode 350 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. Thank you for supporting the show for 350 episodes now. And my guest co-host is the driver of the Car Cast, Mr. Chad Smart, who is in town for the weekend. And Chad, we are actually in route safely, obviously, uh, from Cape Girardeau. For Cape, now. For now, yes. Cape Championship Wrestling, their five-year anniversary show. Want to wish them uh, a congratulations and, and uh, best of luck in the future as they continue to put on some great wrestling shows. And uh, we had a good time tonight. Yeah, uh, real quick, 350 episodes. So this is like the seven-year almost anniversary of the podcast. It'll be in December, yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. Started in December of 2014, right here on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Thanks to Greg Mahachko, again, for inviting me to uh, join. And I'm going to uh, pat myself on the back. 350 consecutive Mondays of dropping an episode. So, uh, actually, I think it's 349 Mondays. There was an extra bonus episode I dropped in somewhere along the way. I don't remember when it was, but there was one week that I did an, a bonus episode, and I don't even remember why, but... To test your Patreon subscribers? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. So, um, I wanted to... I mentioned CCW and, of course, Stride Pro Wrestling. Uh, some big announcements over the past week. Farmer Billy Hills is coming back to uh, co or I'm sorry, not co-host, but to host and announce at the Pulaski County Fair, that show coming up on on Friday, August 20th. Then the week before that, on Saturday, August 14th, it is Hot Summer Night in Carterville, Illinois. That's going to be a fun show. Then on August 21st, we have a show at Valier Baptist Church in Valier, Illinois. So three big shows happening in August. Then September 2nd, Chad, your favorite announcer turned wrestler steps back into the ring for the first time in almost two years. Michael Cole is yes. coming back to the ring. Michael Cole is coming to stride, baby. No, it's me. We are doing a show <laughs> at Rent One Park. Don't sound so enthused. 
uh, in Marion, Illinois. So if you can make it out to that, I'm actually teaming up with Heath Hatton and Curly. This is going to be fun because Curly, you know, we did a, a show a few years ago for a couple years ago now, uh, had some major medical issues going on. I'm happy to announce that he is feeling better and on the mend. And uh, we're going to be taking on Brian Richards, beautiful Brian Richards, I should mention, uh, as well as That's David. his actual name, and you're not just... Yes, I, 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 yes, yes. Okay. He is a beautiful man, but yeah, beautiful Brian Richards, uh, AJ Kellis, and uh, David Lee Walker. So it's going to be a, a fun night. It's a little bit of wrestling, a night of baseball, and then a little bit more wrestling. So it's kind of a baseball sandwich, I guess, with uh, wrestling as the buns. That kind of probably didn't come out the way it should have, mm. but probably won't edit that out either so but uh that's what's going on with stride so be sure to check that out as well but uh chad i i really didn't have a topic in mind we we need to sit down and and watch another movie or a tv show and and we'll eventually do that again and and resume movie mania as this is the second week in a row we've we've podcasted together without a movie mania topic but it's all right it's all right um so we were talking in the car and, and you mentioned it and i'm like yeah that's a good point uh, recording this conversation would have been great because we really kind of got into the weeds and, and talked a lot about WWE and AEW and the influences of, you know, technology today and social media and the impact, pun kind of intended, that it's had on wrestling fans and, and, and whatnot. And I think, and you were kind of making a point and we didn't elaborate on it, but let's just start with AEW. And I, I think it's fair to say that without social media and without the internet's influence, AEW is not as strong and as big as it is today. Is that fair to say, do you think? Yeah. I, I was saying that the Young Bucks and I guess Kenny Omega and the Elite, by doing the, being the Elite YouTube show, uh, you know, and I guess... I mean, amongst online wrestling fans, Japanese wrestling is pretty big. New Japan yeah. wrestling specifically. Sure. Uh, I know you and I are not huge NJPW watchers or followers. Right. Uh, so we are the old guys that are kind <laughs> of yelling at clouds at times yeah. on the topic. But I think because of New Japan's proliferation into the world of online watching and probably also because for some reason people take everything that Dave Metzler says as like you know so, sort of gospel tr- gospel truth yeah uh, again I've never read an, a issue of I think he does the, the, the observer, observer. Yeah, yeah I I you know it wasn't until I discovered online uh, wrestling uh, news sites that I even had ever heard the name Dave Metzler like or Meltzer Metzler but it's Meltzer, Meltzer but yeah uh, I gotcha I got gotcha. you know I I just I guess, you know, there were ads in wrestling magazines that I never uh, uh, paid attention to when I was reading wrestling mags. So, I don't know. Did you? No, I I had not either. It wasn't really until the internet became a thing that I had heard of, of Dave Meltzer. And I, and I actually, and we'll, we'll get back to your original point in just a second, but where are you on him specifically? Because I listen to all the Conrad podcast and about... A lot of their research comes from The Observer, and guys like Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff specifically 
despise Dave Meltzer, and they know that there were, were uh, you know, stooges and, and people backstage that were feeding him information, and whether it was true or not, he was reporting a lot of it, and I get their point. You know, just because somebody backstage told you this doesn't make it true, and he reports it as if it were true, and that's where I have a problem as a former journalist myself, where we start tagging these websites, these dirt sheets, if you will, as journalists, because they're, in some cases, just regurgitating information, and I know you could argue the the mainstream media today is doing the same thing, but it really, to me, is like, I don't know if, if it's helping as much, and, and then you throw the spoilers in there, and you're getting all this stuff that, you know, I just want to be surprised, and I want to watch stuff, and I want to go back to the, you know, the 80s and the early 90s, when you could turn on superstars or turn on nitro or not nitro because the internet was around by then but you know i'm watching wcw saturday night and seeing a debut of somebody and, yeah. and not being spoiled with it no i'm with you and that's why i don't really put uh too much stock into what Meltzer says because yeah. again i'm not reading him i'm just unfortunately because i've been on the internet for 25 years now yeah which, you know saddens <laughs> me to know that I don't know where the last 25 years of my life have gone, but I'm with you where I wish I hadn't discovered those sites when I got online or yeah. I wish I could had more interest in life, I guess, to <laughs> do think maybe I should take up TikTok. I don't know, but, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I just, I, I mentioned it on last week's episode where due to some things that have gone on over the past couple of weeks, I haven't been online as much and, uh, you know, I managed to go four days um, without seeing money in the bank. Yeah. And other than having John Cena's return, which I knew was happening anyway. Yeah. You know, I kind of figured that it was going to happen. That we just... Uh, I, I didn't know anything else that happened on the show. And I didn't know that, um, you know, Nikki A.S.H. won, cashed in money in the bank the next night on Raw. Because yeah. I hadn't watched Raw either. And, you know, it's, the, it's a fun little... It's moments like that where when you don't see them coming right. or, you know, even going back and I don't getting back kind of to my topic of AEW. Yeah. I am surprised at how well AEW keeps things kind of close to the vest. Yeah. You know, although there are two major, and again, I'm going to call them rumors until they actually happen. Right. Right. Sure. Um, but you know, the, the, uh, bringing out of Nick Gage, this past week on Dynamite, and then as we record this, the Wednesday episode that uh, will follow this episode, Juventud Tud Guerrero is mm-hmm. going to be back on TNT, and uh, you know that's something that had not been leaked or anything. So, and I wonder, you know, going going back, going back, going back to my original statement is because Meltzer is so high. You know, he's friends with the Young Bucks. He, you know, they even have a move named after after him. Oh yeah. But I wonder if if he doesn't report on certain aspects of AEW oh. to kind of help keep them, you know, keep the spoilers out. Whereas, of it, yeah. I mean, the two ma- major ones, I think, in a way, given uh, AEW's. Announcement that they're doing a show at the United Center on a Friday night. You know, that's a huge arena. Yeah. Probably one of the biggest next to the Arthur Ashe uh, 
tennis court that they're running in New York, which I don't know how many seats they're actually selling for that show, but I'm sure they wanted at least the tease of what is possibly going to happen sure. to get out there to help sell tickets. Right. Um, but but going back, as we were saying 20 minutes ago, uh, <laughs> I think AEW was helped because I believe, and I could have a, this a little bit off, the first all-out, was it all-out or, or double or nothing show uh, that wasn't actually done under the All Elite banner. Uh-huh. You know, it was just a one-off show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, was and, and, you know, and maybe I'm contradicting what I just said because I believe that was a an insult from Meltzer about the Bucks and the Elite just being a t-shirt co- company or being a t-shirt. Oh, was promotion. it Meltzer that said that? I I, I, remember, I, don't know, I don't remember. I remember somebody calling them just a t-shirt company, but yeah. yeah. And then they said, oh, well, you know, I bet we could sell out a ten thousand seat arena. And they did. Yeah. And then, I and I, you know, I don't know how Tony Khan got involved, and part of me doesn't really care because I'm not seeing any money come in from it, so right. it it doesn't affect me any. But, um, but I think because you know, and we had talked earlier in the conversation that we didn't record about how TNA when they first started, I think they made the mistake by jumping into weekly pay per view with an unknown brand instead of doing a Nashville, Memphis, Evansville, Indiana, Southern Illinois, you know, whatever loop for like six months to build up, you know, test the waters to see which wrestlers were getting over, Mm -hmm. build up your storyline gradually instead of just jumping in and trying to go full force on day one. And, uh, you know, I think by being, having the, being the elite YouTube show, like it helped kind of garner some some interest in the all elite promotion when they started. And then they also didn't start like, you know, saying, okay, we're going to do this this promotion and then started the show the next week. It's like, I, I don't remember how many months they had from when they announced the promotion to the first show to the first TNT episode. You know, it there was I think it was almost a year. Almost a year. I feel like it was uh, I feel like that first event, and I think it was called All In, uh, was right. over Labor Day weekend. Okay. And then it was a whole nother year before and the I TNT Dub- show started. I think Double or Nothing was in May. Yeah. And I think that may have been under the AEW banner. And then, yeah, they launched the show. They launched Dynamite then in October, October. of 19. I yeah. think that's the timeline. That, that and, sounds right. And I think TNA, from initial press release to first show was maybe four or five months. Yeah, it wasn't long at all, and I think Jeff Jarrett has recently detailed that on My World, on on his podcast, but do you think that, you know, one of the things we kind of talked about too was WWE and that, like, 18 years of, and this isn't to discount or discredit uh, Impact Wrestling or Ring of Honor or Chikara or any of those other companies, but I mean, realistically, we haven't really seen a threat or a, a, you know anyone going head to head, so to speak, with WWE. Even though AEW is really not going head to head, but they are definitely swinging a hell of a lot harder than anybody else ever did. Do 
you think though, with those 18 years that went by before there was really anybody kind of stepping up and, and doing anything that WWE just kind of got lackadaisical and that's where we found all this lazy booking and, you know, disjointed storytelling and the things that a lot of fans are, are not really so crazy about or high on WWE right now about. Yeah, I think, you know, I asked you earlier if it wasn't for uh, Eric Bischoff taking over WCW mm-hmm. and signing Hogan and Savage and Mean Gene and all these people, um, if it wasn't for that, if it wasn't for Todd Gordon going with, you know, changing Eastern Championship Wrestling to Extreme and bringing in Paul Heyman, you know, would WWE have had the Attitude Era? Because. Yeah. They only changed once the other promotions started changing. They had to, yeah. WWF has never really been the catalyst for evolution on its own. It's, right. It's been a react uh, reaction to something else. Yeah. And so I definitely think without, uh, without AEW now, because, you know, like you said, Impact's been around for... 18, 19 years now. Yeah. Ring of Honor's been around 19 years as well. And they just, one, they've never had the mainstream penetration that, yeah. uh, and I use penetration uh, intentionally going with the TNA, uh, <laughs> you know, name, but um, but they never had the penetration, you know. it's It was, Impact has bounced around from mid-level cable network to mid-level cable network to uh, I think this might come free if I subscribe to like five other channels yeah I get you know and access is actually a fun channel to watch but how many people actually know that it exists right and Ring of Honor has you know was a DVD company for so long and then once they bought, bought got bought by Sinclair then they started getting you know weekend midnight time slots on Sinclair-owned stations, yeah. but you know how many people, how many ROH fans actually sit sit down and watch ROH on a weekly basis? Right. Yeah. You know, it, it seems like they have fallen off of the priority list even before AEW became a, you know, the, what it is now. Yeah. And so, I think, you know, and and you look at what WWE is doing, and granted, you know the last year were they just in a holding pattern because they're like okay without fans we don't want to go through too much you know change we don't want to have big moments because the fans aren't there to react to it so it's not going to look good on a promo package mm-hmm. uh you know you want to give the fan the wrestlers themselves like you know when drew mcintyre won the world title that you know for the first time that's like a big moment yeah. that really didn't mean a whole lot because you don't have a reaction to it. Yeah, no, that's um, a good point. And I think and I think AEW did a good job of moving their storylines along, but then waiting and kind of building up to a moment, whereas WWE just kind of hits things repetitively and then finally says, oh, okay, let's do something big. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you anticipate things changing? I got to tell you, as we're driving, we've had the second armadillo <laughs> no, like, damn near get created. I've never seen a live armadillo uh, in captivity or uh, outside of, 
you know, yeah. a zoo before, and we just saw two in the last three minutes, and you damn near smoked them both, but you avoided them both. I'm proud of you, man. Well, I don't. One of them could be the Christmas armadillo, and I don't want to ruin Christmas for some kid. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I wonder. I'm curious. You know, will. We, we keep waiting for, you know, things to quote-unquote get better. Now that fans are around, you know, are, are we are we turning the corner? Are we going to see more cohesive storylines and things make sense? But then, you know, we get news today as we're recording this that Bray Wyatt has been released. And, yeah. you know, who knows? You know, I think everybody instantly thinks, okay, he's going to AEW or, you know, whatever. Yeah. We don't know if he's – I haven't read any details. I, you know, we don't know if he's – chosen to or is choosing to step away for a while or or what's going on so again not going to judge anything there at this point but you know we were talking about grabbing up guys who get released and wwe has been on that release mode a lot lately and you can't blame a wrestler a talent man or woman for wanting to continue their career especially when they're young and they have a lot still left to go and now that AEW really is a viable option for a lot of folks to go to you know I know that there's a lot of the online criticism and I've even joked about it from time to time as far as WWE castaways going to AEW or back in the day when it was they were all going to impact so uh, I, but I get it, and I don't blame anyone, and certainly don't hold it against anyone for wanting to further their career. Because if a football player got traded or you know removed from the NFL or the team that they're playing on, I would certainly expect them to show up on another team, and, yeah. and you can't begrudge somebody for doing that. And I think that analogy, you know, the the thing about it is there are 31, 30 or thirty one NFL teams. Mm-hmm. There are. Right. He's had two major yeah. wrestling promotions. So, uh, you know, yes, Impact and ROH are signing some guys that have been released that aren't signing with AEW. But, you know, I, I think back to the back to the 80s, back when we were kids watching. And, you know, you look at all the guys that came from Bill's, uh, Mid-South. Mm-hmm. Nope, keep going uh, straight. Um, oh, yeah, it's Uh you know, and look at the guys that came from AWA to WWF. And I, yeah. you know, granted, I wasn't watching as intently in those early days when guys started jumping or showing up. But, and there was no internet. And, right. you know, I really didn't have a lot of friends that were watching all the wrestling promotions. So, yeah. but it wasn't like, oh, here's another Mid-South guy showing up in WWF. You know, I, I remember I... You know, I've talked about before how I used to have the big satellite dish, mm-hmm. and, and I could watch the monthly Madison Square Garden shows that WWF yeah. would do, and they would always run down the next month's card. And I remember the last show that I saw, they teased the debut of the Ultimate Warrior it was going to be on the next one, and I had no idea who the Ultimate Warrior was. Oh wow! In my mind, he was more of a Jerry Flynn type character than what? Yeah. Than than the Dingo Warrior, right? You know? Right. And so. Um, but even when he showed up, you know, when I finally saw him on the WWF syndicated programming, it wasn't like, oh my God, okay, they just signed another world-class guy. But right. I was like, oh, it's the Dingo Warrior. Okay, yeah. cool. It, 
you know, guys just move. And, you know, especially back in the territory days when guys would move around more. And mm-hmm. I think we've, we've talked about it here where, you know, The Miz, when he won the um, championship last year, uh-huh. you know, and he, um, you know, we talked about how he was like the fourth or fifth longest span of winning a title. Yeah. In WWF. And it was like, you know, Hogan and I think Rock and yeah. and, and Backlund. And we said, you know, the difference is he's never left WWF right. after he lost that title. He was there the whole, the whole time. time. Yeah. And, you know, you look at Randy Orton, who's been in WWF for 20 years. Yeah. You know, almost. Um, and I think that's a bigger issue. To me, that's... I would rather see those guys leave and go to Impact or go, you know, you know, like you look at Christian Cage who left because he knew, like, okay, I, I've gone as far as what the powers that be in WWF are going to let me go. Right. I'm going to go out and prove that I'm better than what you think I am. Yeah. And then he came back and, well, I mean, he became ECW champion, so you got that. But then, you know, he was out for seven years. He came back at the Royal Rumble this year. Well, he won the world title. Once, yeah, but that was like on a fluke. Like that whole series of Jeff Hardy was. No, he he beat uh, Del Rio. Did he? Yeah, remember uh, he. Be, no, like, I just remember him always losing to Randy Orton. No, because uh, he beat. Yeah, he beat. Um, right after Edge retired, he ended up. Be, I think he beat Del Rio, and then I think he then dropped it to Randy Orton. Okay, I just remember and the then, Randy Orton feud, and I tried to forget everything associated with Del Rio. So yeah. That's it. <laughs> um, but you know. Yeah. Now this year yeah, he comes I, back at the Royal Rumble, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's in AEW, and it's right. you know there were rumors and going back to the internet and Meltzer and whatever that WWE either wouldn't clear him to be a full time wrestler or didn't really have a plan for him, and he's like, well, you know, I want to wrestle, so so then you're you know you're in that position of do you take if you are a wrestler, so let's say somebody like Dolph Ziggler. Right. And, and this was not a diss on Dolph at all, but it, using him as an example, if you're not being used the way you think you can be used to fulfill your potential, yeah. but WWE is giving you more money than another company is, which is more important to you. And, right. You know, and I think well, a lot of things that fans don't understand is, you know, they say in wrestling you have a bump card and you only have mm-hmm. so many punches on it. Right. And so would you rather not be used properly and make more money and have a better post-wrestling life or go out and, you know, I guess, you know, you can look at Daniel Bryan in this case where yeah. wherever he ends up wrestling in the future, out if it's outside of WWE, you know, there's a fear in me that says he's going to go back to his indie ways. Right. Because that's just the wrestler that Daniel Bryan is. Exactly. And... I don't want to see Daniel Bryan get injured right. or, you know, anything drastic happen to him, but I'm not Daniel Bryan and, yeah. you know, that's that's his call. And so that's the same thing is, yeah, so I think what I was trying to say is that my problem with, with fans who criticize companies for signing these cast, not only it's a cast off, but, right. you know, guys that get released is... There's a proper way to, to do it, and then I think you know the big thing is there was Impact's way, where you sign the t- the first guy you can, and then all of a sudden you make him champion. You know yeah. what happened with uh, 
uh, Kurt Angle came in and ended Samoa Joe's year-long uh, undefeated streak. Mm-hmm. Christian Cage came in and went straight for the title. And d- at least T- uh, A&W seems to be, if they're bringing guys in, having a plan kind of in place for most of the guys that they're bringing in. And it's not straight to the top. It's let's work some other feuds and then slowly work them up. Right. Uh, yeah, I will, you know, uh, and again, uh, you and I, 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 I talk a lot of shit on <laughs> on Snapchat yeah. with you and, 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 you know, Tyler and a couple of other wrestling uh, guys that I'm friends with on Snapchat. So, uh, but I, I get it and I, and I agree. I, I, I do feel like they've done a, a fairly decent job as far as, you know, not immediately putting uh, Christian Cage or Paul White or Mark Henry. Um, you know, Miro obviously is is the TNT champion. I, I don't have a but problem with that. But it took him time to yeah. get that story. Yeah. And, and it, he had to go through a program that a lot of fans weren't enthusiastic yeah. about. Yeah. So, you know, I get it. And I think that, that you know, overall, they're doing a pretty good job with, with what they've got. And, you know, uh, again, they are starting a second show. Uh, well, a second show on television um, and you have to have talent for that and you know you can't just keep running through and I, and my hope is is that they're able to utilize and, and get you know a variety of talent in there and that's kind of the thing the good thing about AEW is you are seeing you know some of the homegrown talent you're seeing some of the, the established you know Dustin Rhodes and Cody and uh, you know those established guys that we saw on WWE programming or WCW programming back in the day. And so I think that helps the overall presentation and the overall product. And, you know, and I don't mind Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone being on the call and and Excalibur and, and, you know, it's something different. And I think different is good in this day and age. Oh, I agree. I you know, we were talking, I think, yesterday, as we record this, that a lot of fans have been up in arms various times over the last, you know, two years mm-hmm. of AEW's existence about JR's commentary. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've i said that I was a fan of JR in WCW in his early WWF run, but by 2000, to me, JR had become a cliché soundbite machine mm-hmm. where he was only doing commentary to fit hype packages right they, right you know and so when they brought him when they brought jr into aew i was like okay i understand why you're doing it you want a voice that people recognize it's going to hook people if they're flipping the channel yeah but do i think he's the best announcer out there no mm-hmm. do i think he's the worst and needs to go no, I think he worked for a company for 20 years, 25 years, and is going to slip up. And especially when you have guys that you called matches for in another yeah, promotion. Sure. You know, it's, you know, and the first person uh, that can go, that can honestly say they've never had a slip of the tongue, then maybe you should send your resume in to Tony Khan because, right. uh, you know, it's, it's what it is. And I mean, if it was me, I would like to see a commentary team of Excalibur and uh, I just want to say Darkness Crabtree and that's not it uh, Ultramantis Black from Chikara just oh. because I liked his style and it would be interesting to have two masked men doing commentary <laughs> um, 
but you know, I just, and I think also due to how bad I consider WWE commentary to be, I have selective hearing with commentary. Like I don't pay attention to it a lot of the time. So uh, JR doesn't, I can tune him out and focus on Excalibur and Tony Schiavone. And I think, you know, I think the biggest surprise on commentary has been Tony Schiavone because I think he is rejuvenated and likes what he's watching. And it, you know, and I think because he did step away from wrestling for so long. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, other than a one night appearance in TNA. Right. Um, I think he, it, you know, and, and he's getting to work with a lot of guys that he worked with in Crockett, in WCW, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I think for him, it's just a fun trip back. Whereas JR, you know, you also look at everything that's gone on in JR's life right. over the last few years and, you know. It's not been I, easy. Yeah. So I think people just, again, we, we also say that thanks to the internet, everybody has a voice. Sure. And that probably sounded like a good idea before the internet was invented. <laughs> but now it's like people just want to troll on things. Yeah. And, you know, more power to you if that's what you want to use your time for. But I don't get it. Well, here's the part where we both, I think, are going to come off sounding like old men yelling, um, yelling at clouds. And that is the rise in popularity of Nick Gage <laughs> and the deathmatch concept. Yeah. And this is something that I've, I, you know, and listen, I have friends in stride who do this. Anna Fight Underground, which is, you know, many great people that I know work at Anna Fight Underground and, and have matches. And that is a, a, a match style. You know, wrestling is like a buffet. You know, I, I want a little bit of everything. And that's why Abdullah the Butcher brings a fork. That's right. Um, but I have never been a fan of, like, the extreme violence, the the exploding, you know, the, the exploding barbed yeah. wire. Those kinds of matches have never appealed to me. But again, I'm not going to say they should be banned or stop doing them or whatever. I just prefer to not watch. And so I choose not to. Um, Nick Gage though has gotten a lot of attention here lately. And and really I would say until earlier this year when they did the dark side of the ring on him, I didn't even know exactly who he was. Uh Um, So we've seen Chris Jericho and Matt Cardona, of all people, in the last couple of weeks, wrestled Nick Gage. And, of course, Matt Cardona winning the GCW Championship. Now, I guess he's Nick Cage is... Nick Gage. I'm not sorry, Nick Gage. Nick if Cage Nick is a whole Cage other comes game. in, yeah. it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Nick Gage is now contracted or signed to AEW as well. At least I'm understanding. I don't know. But he at least had this match with Jericho. Is he part of AEW too? Or I, not, not that I've seen. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, I'm... I mean, I, I could be wrong. I don't know. I just have not seen the Nick Gage is all elite. Okay. I, okay. I've, I've probably misspoken on that. But he was on the show. It was on TNT, you know, and we were talking about how back in the day, how censored WCW became there at the end. I, one, I can't believe the things that happened happened on that show. And, and I think you you and I agree on this. It, it's just not our cup of tea. But were you surprised to see guys like Jericho and Matt Cardona, you know, the former Zack Ryder, getting involved in these kinds of matches and then the extreme violence, the busted light tubes and the broken bottles and stuff that were, were chucked into the ring as a result? Yeah. Um, I, I was 
surprised to see them in the match. I mean, when Nick Cage was announced, my understanding, my, well, thought when MJF was doing these five trials of Jericho. Yeah. I just thought it was going to be members of the Pinnacle because it started off with Sean Spears. So I thought he was just going to have to go through each member of the Pinnacle. Uh Uh-huh. And then um, I wondered why Jeff O'Dell wasn't out there. <laughs> That's uh, for anybody who follows Cape Championship Wrestling. That one is for you. Um, but, but then when they announced Nick Gage, I was like, oh, okay, this could be, you know, and then this week. Now, did the, he and Jericho have a history? No. Okay, uh, so this was just Nick, a, Nick Gage? Yeah. No, no. Okay. But I think, you know, probably thanks to the popularity of the Vice Dark Side of the Ring yeah. series, like you said, Nick Gage is more of a prominent uh, uh, wrestler, Game Changer Wrestling, GCW, is probably, to, in, in my world that I follow wrestling in, is the now the probably the biggest indie or most popular indie. Okay. Um, and is it all, because I, again, until all of this kind of came about a few weeks ago, I didn't really know much about GCW either. Uh, is, is it all violent? Extreme stuff, or I don't think is it so. okay? So they have they because yeah. Anna Fight Underground is very similar to that. Whereas you know Savion yeah. Ayers and I talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's not all blood, guts, and uh, gore. So okay, continue. Um, so you know I and and you look at the ratings and that last quarter hour with that match was yeah. I believe the highest rated it was for the show. Yeah, and like I said, it, it did lead to the greatest picture in picture comment or part where Nick Gage is using a pizza cutter to cut slice open Jericho's forehead and then they cut to a uh, Domino's pizza commercial and I know Domino's is allegedly allegedly said we're looking into you know continuing advertising or not but I'm like Domino's you're stupid like you should be like it probably made more of a bigger connection with people right than if it was just showing a Domino's ad yeah um, and your pizza's terrible, so you should be thankful. <laughs> That's my own opinion. You can send hate mail to uh, at Kevin Hunsberger on Twitter. Um, but no, I think, you know, I was thinking back, was it 2004 or five when we were sitting in Applebee's having dinner with Ian Rod? Right. And yeah. we were talking about Deathmatch, and you, both you and I were like, yeah, it sucks. And Ian's like, no, it's, you know, different styles for everybody like, yeah and again it's hey if that's your t- cup of tea knock yourself out i just don't you know going back to what i was saying about daniel bryan earlier about not wanting to see him injure himself i don't want to see any wrestler do anything that can shorten their career sure. or do anything so you know i was surprised to see Zack Ryder or Mark, Matt Cordona, Matt Cordona, and Jericho take the abuse that they did. I because right. when on the AEW when Nick Gage pulled out the light tubes, I was watching with my nephew who was kind of getting into actually the deathmatch aspect of it because he was so crazy. He had never seen anything like that before. Yeah, and I said, "Oh, well, Jericho's not going to get hit with the light tube." I'm like, "Nick Gage, Nick Gage may get will probably get hit because Jericho's not going to take that bump." Right. Well, then. Jericho got hit with a light tube and yeah. and then you know but it was Nick Gage that went through the painted glass and it's just like again you can do violence without actually being violent and, yeah. and I don't remember if it was on um, you know the Beyond the Mat documentary or some other documentary I was watching with Cactus Jack Mick Foley where he's like you know using the cheese grater and he's like you don't actually 
slice someone's head open. You make it look like you are, yeah. and you fake it, but you don't actually have to cut someone open. Yeah. And and I think that there's that fine line in deathmatch wrestling between doing something that looks painful and actually doing something painful. Yeah. I agree. I you know, and that's that's one topic I think that you and I both wholeheartedly agree on and and you know I, I don't ever think you know because that that's they've always said or you know Eric Bischoff has said to be to compete with WWE or to compete with anybody you have to be better than lesser than or different than and that's why he chose like the luchadors and the nwo and that reality based stuff that he was doing to be different than yeah. and not trying to do what jim hurd was doing in the early 90s with the cartoons and, and appealing to kids and stuff which is why they wcw and and the old jim crockett promotions was never really able to to beat the wwf or the wwe so i think you know, AEW may be onto something, especially because it was there. More than a million people watched that closing segment of of Jericho and Gage. So, you know, but they, is it something that people tuned into because it was different? And now that they've seen it, would they keep tuning in week after week? For right. It? Right. Know. Yeah. And I and I'm not suggesting that they do this every week. And I don't know that they would be able to get away with doing it every week. I mean, I, I think a lot of times with live TV you ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And so, I, and I don't know if there was any, I haven't read anything about any backlash or anything from I, the network. I know yeah, I allegedly saw, Domino's was, yeah. was not happy, but And I, again, I saw something that said Tony Khan talked to the executives at TNT and let them know ahead of time what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, Oh, okay. You know, they, again, they got permission to, you know, who knows what people at TNT, TNT TNT thought they were actually going to do, right? But, right. You know, if you don't have a wrestling fan uh, in the boardroom and you yeah. say, "Hey, we're bringing in Nick Gage," and they're like, "Oh, Nick Cage, okay, perfect, go right, Nick Cage." And, well, and I wonder if, if in the minds of fans, if this kind of uh, made up for the lackluster ending to the uh, exploding death exploding match. death match, yeah. which was that on pay per view or was that on TNT? That was on Dynamite. That was on Dynamite. Okay, I couldn't because re- I I watched that or I saw maybe I saw the the closing segment of it or something on on social media afterwards. So, um, but you know, obviously we, we've talked about it before on on your podcast with Positive Cynicism, and and we've talked about it here. You know, the influences that the internet and social media and you know people in general, you know, have on pop culture and on the things we watch and it's it, it's just you know I, I the mentality of some folks is as far as you know either always having to get those spoilers out you know like you've you've said before some of these writers put the the spoiler in the headline yeah. or the, a picture and it's like what are you doing so yeah. i i do think that while the internet and obviously the way to get this podcast out and to get the word out about the my one two three cents brand is because of the internet. But the uh, the double edged sort of it is is you know people become obnoxious and you know turn into jerks with social media as well. So yeah, because there's no accountability because I can say whatever I want and 
if you don't know me, if I don't see you in person, yeah, then I'm just words on a screen or a voice uh, on your on your phone. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, and again, you know, I, we've discussed it many times on the podcast and in real life too. Like, I just don't understand why people feel the need to, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, like be a dick on social media yeah. or on, you know, online in any capacity. It's like, again, if that's how you draw, you know, uh, want to pass your time, then get a new hobby. Right. You wouldn't do it. Yeah. You wouldn't do it in real life or in yeah, person. I, mean, I would hope, face. I would hope probably not. not. Yeah. I would hope not. But even if you do, it's just like, again, what, you know, I, you know, I went to pro wrestling gorilla shows. I am not a huge fan of Pro Wrestling Gorilla. Again, granted, I've not been to a show in two or three years, so it could be completely different now. Mm-hmm. But the atmosphere was not... You know, it, it didn't interest me to spend the money and be cramped into a Legion Hall, which I know now they have a new venue they run. But, you know, I, the wrestling was good. It just wasn't my cup of tea. And so I will go with... You know, a wrestling pro wrestling, which is completely, you know, absurd. And if you're a uh, diehard wrestling fan, you would, you know, I, I remember being in line at, at a Chikara show and um, <laughs> and talking with some people and being like, oh, yeah, I live in L.A., you know, I don't, and they're like, oh, you go to PWG. And I'm like, no. And I'm like, I'd rather come to Chikara than and like, oh, I was, I would never, you know. <laughs> and it's like. Okay, cool. That's what you want to watch, yeah. Versus what I want to watch. It's, and you know, it's the same way. Like, I make fun of you for watching TikTok videos. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's just because we make we bust right. each other's balls all the time. I don't really care if you want to watch TikTok. Like, knock yourself out. But it's not what I do. So right. I'm gonna go watch, you know, Letterkenny for the 18th time. And you probably still haven't even watched that. That's true. And I say, damn it, Kevin, why haven't you watched Letter (laughs) yet? It's true. Well, as we we wind down, last topic I want to touch on, and we talked about this a little bit before we were rolling too, and, and that is, you know, a time will happen sooner rather than later that... WWE is is without Vince McMahon. Whether he retires, whether he passes away, or whether he sells, which there's been a lot of speculation uh, with all the recent releases that you know the company is being primed to sell. The big deal with Peacock and and all that. Do you? I personally can't imagine vince mcmahon ever selling wwe but i also don't understand why all of these big names are being released so where are you on all this do you can you imagine a a post vince mcmahon wwe is it triple h and stephanie and do we see cooperation with other companies like aew like ring of honor like impact wrestling do you do you think we ever live in a in a world where all wrestling companies can work together. Uh, I hope so, and yeah. I think I think the biggest thing will be if when Vince is out of the picture in whatever form, is it going to stay with McMahon's and you know mm-hmm. Stephanie and Triple H are running it as people expect them to, or does it get sold to a 
corporation, probably yeah. the Disney Corporation, because they have to buy everything. <laughs> yeah. And then let me tell you, if that's the case, uh, you can kiss WWE being any good goodbye, because, well, uh, I'll stay away from that one. I will just say <laughs> that I think if Stephanie and Triple H take over, or it stays in the McMahon family, um, I could see, like, like I could see them doing a WrestleMania with all, you know, bringing in AEW guys, bringing in TNA guys or Impact yeah. and Ring of Honor and being like, and maybe not at WrestleMania, maybe they might do you know, they're like, okay, WrestleMania SummerSlam, the big four are already selling on their own, Yeah. but let's do a special show and bring everybody together, and it would be bigger I think than what you know, like Impact Bound for Glory this year is going to they're promoting it as Impact AEW AAA New Japan, mm-hmm. but it's. I don't think it's going to get the promotion behind it that WWE would right. do if they did it. Sure. Uh, if if let's say because P, uh, the WWE Network moved to Peacock, let's say Comcast NBC Universal buys WWE, which seems likely because I mean they own USA. Mm-hmm. They could probably get through. You know, when SmackDown's contract ends with Fox, they can just move it over to another, you know, NBC channel. Yeah. But then it becomes corporate, and I think that's when WWE will become WCW 2.0. Mm. Because, you know, we talked about the, you know, going back to the death match that we talked about earlier and talking about how WCW was under so many constraints you know mm-hmm. at least according to Vince Russo the reason why his booking in WCW was terrible was because the network wouldn't let him do anything that he wanted to do right yeah um, but that would be the same way where you know and again I guess going back full circle to Meltzer saying you know that's I think that's where the information comes that well the reason Raw is three hours is because that's what USA wants right or you know why they do these throwback shows or these specialty shows is because the network wants them to do yeah. something to try to bring up ratings and, and so when you have a corporation running a, com- a company that the people in the boardroom again don't understand or don't pay attention to yeah it's I, a business yeah, yeah. yeah totally I get it it makes sense. Well, I mean, it doesn't make sense, sense but it, well, I understand no, it. It should be making dollars, but the way they're doing yeah. it, it's going to make sense. It is, it is making sense. And speaking of sense, this has been the My One Two Three Cents podcast. Again, thank you all so much for listening. Check out uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash My One Two Three Cents. There is a new Stride Pro Wrestling shirt there and some other uh, swag available, so be sure to check that out. And uh, if you're on collar and elbow, check that out as well and use promo code MY123CENTS and save 10% on each order. Thanks so much, friends, for listening and have a great week. I'm going to call you Paul Blart because that was a great segue. <laughs> good one. Good one. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.